0: From Workhouse Connect and A.J. Benza. Fame. Uh, he liked to be walked on a leash and play really dirty, kinky sex games. Isa, The guy put the cock in the Peacock Network, okay? Bitch. Hey, everybody. A.J. Benza here for Fame is a Bitch. This is your show for March 18th, 2020. Oh, boy. I got, a lot of ch- I got a chill in my body today. It's tough to kind of distinguish sometimes what you feel, especially those of you who live out here in California. Well, even New York, it's cold. If it's cold in California, it's cold in New York and Chicago and other cities in the winter. But it's cold today. It's rainy, it's misty, it's cold. And sometimes you wake up, you walk outside, and you can't distinguish. Yourself. Am I just cold? It's rainy and, 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 and windy, or am I coming down something? that tickle in the back of my throat. Is that because uh, the red pepper from the pizza is bugging me or am I coming down with the fucking coronavirus? I'm sure we're all playing with stuff like that. I went to my doctor today to get some refills on my uh, medications. He's a doctor, okay? But he's not like a real, like, (laughs) he's not like a real GP at this point. You know, I got to be honest. I really don't have a GP. I actually trust my pharmacist more. When it comes to my health, when I do my doctor, got yeah, the greatest pharmacist. Dave is the man. But uh, my doctor, he's, he's bordering on Doctor Vinnie Boombox now. The guy that uh, Rodney Dangerfield had. But um, first thing he says to me when I go in the office today is, he goes, uh, "Sorry about the distance I'm keeping from you, but uh, you know, <laughs> not exactly what you want to hear from your doctor." You know, I wanted the whole. You know, you, you walk in, you get the stethoscope, the blood pressure treatment. Uh, You know, not that it matters because usually they take the stethoscope up uh, over two sweatshirts, and I don't know how much they can hear my heart with that kind of material in between the uh, the stethoscope. But whatever. Guy's seventy four years old. He's a big liberal, by the way, and he's the only one I let talk shit and not stop. You know, I never, I don't challenge him over over his political leanings or his political. uh, strategies or different things he says are about to happen. Because I I don't even know where to start. Four years ago, I said to him, you know, Trump's going to win this thing. He said, no, it's impossible. Uh, The electoral college alone is impossible for him to win. (sighs) We know what happened. Then he said, "Uh, well, you know, Trump's going to go down for this Russian collusion. They got him. I mean, they they got him. Uh, I said, there's no Russian collusion. He said, hey, hey, this Michael Avenatti's got a shot. I like the way he sounds. He, he looks good. He's sharp. He, he can he can go head to head with Trump. I said, Doc, this guy's an asshole. I know a ton of these guys in New York City. They're a dime a dozen. Then he said, well, tell you what, Schiff's got Trump. I mean, they got him. They got him on perjury. This is, uh, I think they finally got him where they need him. I said, no, not going to happen. Then he goes, uh, you know Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren, I'd say she's probably going to get the nomination. You know, I said no, she's not. She's like the, the 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 pissy substitute teacher you get who gives you a D with a smile on her face. You guys have heard me say that. Then he goes, you know, Bernie. Uh, Bernie Sanders says some smart things. You know, he's got that army of people behind him that can really help him win. I said no, Biden's going to win this all the way. America wants to recover. America doesn't want revolution. And then today. I can't make this up. Today, he goes to me, hey, I heard Biden might get Elizabeth Warren as his VP. You know, somebody recently told me she reminds them of a teacher who gives you a D. I said, that was me. Fucking guy. I swear, at this point, I, I hope he tells me I tested positive, positive for coronavirus because he's been wrong about everything else. I know he's concerned. Hey, you know, he's got a heart. I don't think doctors lose that after they, you know, they learn the oath and... uh take good care of people for many, many years. And I don't make this shit all over the guy. He's a good doctor, but he's, he's playing out the string. He He's kind of playing out the end of his career by opening up three days a week. You know, uh, he's writing out scripts for pain meds and blood pressure. meds. he doesn't want to be bothered with some big to do. He just wants to give you your scripts and go. That's what he's all about. Right. And I get that guy's probably put in, you know, 35, 40 year career. So Whatever the fuck he's got to do, he's doing. So, after being in that office a while, you know, you're sitting down. I don't pick up the magazines. I don't want to read, you know, architectural digest and all that other shit. So, I stick to my phone. But still, you're in the office, you press the button. It's a medical building. Everything you touch, ugh, you know, even the guy who takes your money in the underground garage, you know, he's been handling people's shit all day. He just, so I felt like I really needed some hand sanitizer. You know, I don't have any in the car. So I go to the pharmacy downstairs. Remember that lady I told you about a few weeks ago, the Asian pharmacist? She owns the place. She has a problem with uh, making change out of her drawer. She also has a problem. She's always dropped change on the counter. You know, you, you buy something, you you're do 45 cents change. She won't hand it to you. She puts it on the counter, and then you gotta, you got to pull it towards your other open palm, like you're trying to clean up crumbs from the kitchen table. I hate that. And the Chinese have always been like that, or Asians. Even way back when I lived in New York, there was a bunch of Asian people who ran like newsstands. And they were wearing gloves way back then, in the 90s. And some of them would not even put a corner in your palm. You'd hold your palm upright, and they would like wave your hand away, and they'd drop it on the counter. They wouldn't touch you. So you wonder why I get mad at these people. It's like, fuck you. I don't want your germs. Don't tell me you don't want my. I'm clean. Anyhow, so I go to the lady and uh, I walk in and I go, listen, I'm looking for some uh, Purell. I don't know if you got any. I know this is short. She goes, no, I got, I have, I have. She turns and grabs a tube and she goes, here you go. I said, oh, good. She goes, $10. $10. What fucking bullshit. You know what? $10, $10, it was like getting a, a small tube of toothpaste for 10 bucks, And I already asked for it, and I really wanted it. Otherwise, I would have told her to go fuck herself. But I said, okay, 10 I said, this is something. First you people give us the fucking flu. Now you're selling us the shit to keep it at bay. What a racket. Said that under my breath. But still, she knows how I feel about it. But you know what I get a kick out of lately? I get a kick out of, you know, I, I, I wonder if the same people who said George Bush was behind 9-11, Uh, why can't these people seem to believe that the sneaky Chinese may have decided to sacrifice some of their own people in Wuhan just to bring the West to our knees? Doesn't that make sense to anybody? You know, why is that so hard to believe? There are so many people who love to talk about the conspiracy. George Bush knew. Everybody knew 9-11. Sure he did. Well, he knew he had to sacrifice a couple of thousand Americans for the greater good. I hate those stories. I hate the stories about the certain paint inside the building and then building number seven collapse. I've heard it all. I've read it all. I've seen all the fucking conspiracy shows. You'll never get me to believe it. I had friends who died. You can't tell me that was all. Now, George Bush did not know about nine. He may have known, and I'm certain he knew, a lot of people knew that this was something that you know, the, our enemies were thinking of doing flying into buildings. And I think they obviously really dropped the ball on that, but to know this is going to happen on this date and they did nothing. No, I don't buy it. But if they do believe that mostly crazy liberal, if you do believe that, why can you not believe that the Chinese manufactured this and figure, you know what? Let's lose, let's lose a few thousand fucking people in Wuhan for the greater good will knock the west on its knees will start to take over where we want to take i could certainly see that happening and i'm talking to people i found out that you know you go around every place you go you talk to people you know you watch tv everybody seems to be in different phases of believing this thing that's happening to us not everybody's on the same page which makes it a lot more confusing you know like um even a week ago or so i wasn't nearly as concerned And other people were. And I remember thinking, they got a fucking problem. Calm down. Now I'm where they were. And I think that in a week or two, I'm going to be where they are now. I I think it's been traveling like that, like a ripple in a lake or a wave in the ocean. Everybody's at a different phase. You know, there are some people who are like, I'm not scared. I'm going to live. And some people are, you know, visibly taking big precautions. They're, They're hoarding food. They got the gloves and the mask on. And then there are people who are so upset, they act like the virus is, uh, definitely going to kill them. They're like, they're, they're sure they're going to die of this. Some people are buying cemetery plots in Hollywood. Have you seen this Hollywood forever cemetery? That beautiful cemetery we have in the middle of Hollywood. Oh, it's beautiful. It's got beautiful mausoleums. It's got a lake, man-made lake in the middle of it, palm trees. We shot a ton of episodes of mysteries and scandals in that cemetery, uh, at night. It's a beautiful place. Um, but these people are death obsessed, and they're they're going after plots like they're buying toilet paper. The last the last week or so, people are spending a lot of money to buy pre-death plots and grab a spot where more than two hundred celebrities are resting in peace right now. A crypt at Hollywood Forever Cemetery costs around seven thousand dollars. It ain't cheap. And they can go up to twenty grand or more if you really get the fancy shit, or if you want to go next to someone's fucking mausoleum and you know someone's crypt, and you can get really. You can't get too much because most of the plots around the really famous people have been taken up. But you can go. You can go into your pocket for twenty grand at Hollywood Forever Cemetery for a prime position at the uh, the VIP section along the lake. They call it the Garden of Legends. You put yourself in there. It's going to set you back a lot. But then again, in this in this city. 20 grand is nothing for a lot of people who live here and have worked here. It's nothing. But, you know, you put that money down, you can, you can lay next to Judy Garland, Faye Ray, uh, Cecil B. DeMille is there. Even, even Chris Cornell and Joey Ramone for Rock Sauce, for you rock fans. Uh, by the way, put a pin in that for a second because, first, I want to say today's show is brought to you by Honey. Online shopping used to be so simple. Now, online shopping is very, very important. Who needs to go to stores right now? But why is it so hard to find coupon codes that actually work? Well, now, thanks to Honey, you can. Honey is the free online shopping tool that saves you money online. It automatically finds the best promo codes and applies them to your cart, which makes online shopping finally feel as easy as it's supposed to be. Here's how it works. Imagine you're shopping at one of your favorite sites, whether it's Target, Best Buy, Macy's, Sephora, eBay, don't matter. When you check out, a little box drops down. All you got to do is click apply coupons. You wait a few seconds and it scans and every promo code on the internet and you just watch the prices drop. I did this. I told you a number of times, my wife and I were looking for something for our, our friend's little baby and she wanted to get one of those monitors and Every place we looked, they were like, I think seventy bucks, something like that. I forgot the price now; it's been a while. But she goes, "Let me try. Let me try your the company that's advertising with." You. I said, "Sure, try it." Let me save forty three dollars in change just for fucking hitting a button. Very worth it. Do do not shop without first using Honey. You are going to save money without a doubt. Um And I'll tell you something: it feels really good when you see that when you see the, the amount you are going to pay. You go, "Holy shit!" Without doing this. Now, we can buy something else now with the money we saved. Honey's got over 18 million members, over $2 billion in savings. Uh, Honey supports over 30,000 stores online, and they're adding more every day. It's the best. Not using Honey is literally passing up free money. It's free to use, installs in just two clicks. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com. fame That's joinhoney.com slash fame. Before I move forward, and today's not going to be a long show. Uh the next couple of days, I'm you guys don't know this, but my Patreon members do. I'm recording the audio book for 74 and Sunny. And I tell you, that's not that easy. Um it's one thing doing a show like this and being able to talk as freely as I talk. When I when I'm laying down the when I'm laying down the book, you know, I want to speak like this when I'm reading it, but that it's not always called for. The book is written a certain way. it's uh, it's not stream of consciousness as this show can sometimes be. So I got to slow it down and enunciate properly. it's It's more difficult than it sounds. It ain't hard work, but it's more difficult. But it is sitting in this bathroom, which I consider my new studio right now, for a good two to three hours and trying to knock out three chapters at a time. So the next i would say the next two days. The shows are not going to be a half hour. They're going to knock down to about 20 minutes. Don't worry. Don't run away. You know, I promise I'll make it up to you. But in the long run, you'll like it because the book will be available as an online audio, not as an audio book, and you'll all be able to read it and you'll love it. Let me thank my tippy top, my cream of the crop, Angelique Heller, Debbie Anderson, the great Catherine Speed, the great Catherine Stewart, Patty Markle, Audra Fortune, Chris Elise, Melanie Howell, Wendy McAsee, Dr. George Canass, Eric Farquay, Ali Chi Chi Train, Heather Grindle, Angela Demino, Chris Starr, Joe Leone, Dana Parks, and Betty, Jennifer Lewis, Christy Tucker, Kim Casto, Deb Thompson, Marcella Martinez, Sarah Walker, Gail Edwards, Kurt Nowak, and the great Jackie Robbins. Okay. This talk about dead celebrities made me think of some crazy shit. I got a great story, especially this talk about uh, the Hollywood forever cemetery, because somebody in there, <laughs> this story has to do it. When I was dating Michelle Brando, Marlon Brando's daughter, she was a great, great chick. We still talk. Matter of fact, we talked last night. She was upset that she couldn't get hunts, tomato sauce and uh, Kroger egg noodles. And I said, hunts tomato sauce did you not learn anything with me you can't buy hunts the fuck is wrong with you she goes no i just love hunts for this one meal i said i failed you i I had you eat with me for a year and not whatever so great girl easygoing chick and she had her own sense of decorating very clever very you know she had her own style and i used to go with her to different stores and even some flea markets and shit estate sales she loved that stuff and so do i so one day she drags me to go to a, a Goodwill store near. I'm sure you guys know Goodwill. She says, come to Goodwill with me. I want to get some stuff. I said, I don't know. All right. I finally go. She drags me out of the house. And um, I bought some good stuff at Goodwill. Basically clothes and shit that families donate after somebody dies. It's a little creepy. You get over it right away when you see the uh, the deals you get. I bought a few things. They're mostly clothes. My greatest find was a... Oh, my God, a beautiful pair of handmade Italian loafers. Nice brown leather summer lace-up shoes, right? Great label, too. Cost me nine bucks. And these shoes look like brand new. They haven't had any scuff marks on the bottom or nothing. I still got them. Got them over 20 years ago. So Michelle walks in, and she's looking at this furniture that had just come in, right? I didn't really like this shit at first glance, so I have just, like, walked away. She really liked this one piece. It was a a trundle bed. And I had no room for it in my place. So I'm out of it. And she goes, I'll take it from my place. I said, okay. So she buys it. Wasn't expensive at all. Maybe like 200 bucks, something like that. It's a nice size trundle bed. And we get it to her house and she's cleaning it up and she turns it on its side. And a a razor blade and a straw drop out. They fall out on the floor. We're laughing, right? (laughs) because obviously whoever owned this bed was doing some blow on this piece of furniture. And then she investigates more and a ticket stub falls out and it's a ticket stub for the beach boys playing a concert in central park in September of 1977 in New York. And we turn over the ticket stub on the other side is a bunch of very small, uh, small, you know, printed lyrics in pen. And I start reading the lyrics. I, this is before I needed glasses. I start reading the lyrics and I'm reading, just, just put me in a wheelchair. Get me on a plane. Hurry, hurry, hurry before I go insane. I can't control my fingers. I can't control. I said, Michelle, this is the lyrics to I want to be sedated. Are you fucking serious? Hold it, hold it, hold it. This is a ticket from 1977. And these are the lyrics to I want. We got to Google this. The Ramones wrote this song. This is the, I love the Ramones. I've seen them countless times. I said, and then, and this is just June of 2001. And I go, you know what? Joey Ramone died two months ago in April. Is this fucking Joey Ramone's trundle bed? So, you know, we go back to Goodwill, but it's closed. Now we're dying. We got to wait till Monday. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe you're going to get, you got Joey Ramone's trundle bed and I passed on it. I almost had a fight with him. Like I wanted the bed so bad because I know I was a big fan and she really wasn't. And um, I said, "We got to buy everything else they got." She goes, "I know, I know." I said, "Everything they got, we're buying. I don't give a fuck if it goes in storage. This shit is worth something one day." So she goes back on Monday. I was working. Everything was gone. And the lady and Michelle's like, "Let me ask you a question. I feel funny. Do you know what this belonged to? Because I think I found something in the bed that kind of looked like it belonged to um, Joey Ramone." And the lady's like. Yeah, it was it was Joey stuff. Um, turns out Joey had a place in L.A. that he rarely stayed at. I mean, he, he did stay there, but not most of the time. And he bought it many years ago. So that bed was sitting there for years. And when he died, apparently the people who had left in his family just said, I don't want it. Give it away to goodwill. So can you listen, I can officially say Joey Ramon is not the only one who did drugs and had sex in his bed. How, how punk rock is that? You got to admit. Um, I think Michelle, Michelle still has it. I mean, she's married now with a kid. I'm not sure how much use it's getting, but fuck, I'd use the shit out of it. Uh, I wanted to bring this up earlier when I was mentioning about <clears throat> how different people are acting with this, um, with this virus or flu, or disease, whatever the fuck we're calling it. On the Patreon show yesterday, I said, isn't it funny that some articles are referring to this as a disease? I don't know. I don't understand what that means. I know it is a flu, then a virus, but the disease word scares me. Anyhow, I started thinking, you know, this there's, there's five stages. You know those five stages, denial, depression, accept, all that shit? The different kind of attitudes toward this virus, I think the five stages of whatever you call it, I think I think it applies to this perfectly. Um and I wonder if that phrase or that I don't know what you call it, axiom, whatever you call that thing, the five stage, maybe that maybe that whole thing began because of the plague over a hundred years ago? Is that possible? It kinda makes sense because I didn't I didn't check, but it kinda makes sense because you know, all those qualities you could see would be employed if you had a plague. if you were worried about getting the plague, Because first, you know, first, what would you do? You'd hear about it and you'd, you would, uh, you would deny that you even had it. You'd deny that there was a chance you could get it, right? Then you get angry. You get pissed off at somebody you think maybe gave it to you, all right? Or you get pissed off at yourself for being careless with, uh, with germs and shit like that. And then what do you do when you want to bargain? You you, you talk to God. What you, you bargain with God? Say, well, look, if I have it, please don't give it to somebody else in my family. I can accept if it's just me. You start making, you start bargaining with God, right? So you got denial, anger, bargaining. Then you get really fucking sad, and just accept that you have it, and that's called depression, the deepest depression. So you got denial, anger, bargaining, depression. And finally, what do you do? You end up accepting it. Once you know you have it, what could you do? You accept it. Maybe these these five emotions can apply to so many different things in life, whether it's a breakup. I know we all heard this applied to our breakups. But if you apply it to this plague, I just wonder, because everybody I see is in different stages. Don't tell me you haven't seen people who kind of are acting like they're going to get it. And then there are people who just deny the fucking thing is going on. So it's interesting. Just keep your eye on that and let me know if you, you yourself have gone through at least three of those different emotions. I bet you have. Sometimes we're a week away from the next emotion. Sometimes somebody we know is a week ahead of us. Sometimes somebody's a week behind us. And now is not a time to argue with people with the way they're feeling. Because, this is affecting everybody differently. I mean, it's so making day-to-day life so difficult and weird. I don't I don't want to say it's that difficult. I know that people really have hard lives to live, but it's so weird now, you know, look, uh, there's so many different things happening, but could you imagine <laughs> not only is it like so tough uh, so tough. It's it's difficult to not have sports on that we like, you know, to not see March Madness with, with crowds, to, to, to know that baseball season, they're not coming back in two weeks. We're talking three months. We're talking maybe baseball comes back maybe in July, August. We may not even see this season played if a couple of guys come down with it. I got news for you. Once a player or two gets it, the whole team's got to be, you know, taken away from that person. You got to quarantine. You know what it There's a good chance we don't play that season at all. And basketball is like, who even fucking cares about the last 10 games of the season and the playoffs? I don't know what they're going to do there because once one person has it, you've got to separate everybody to make sure no one else gets it. And what if somebody gets it two and a half weeks into them restarting? You've got to stop it all over again. So we really may see nothing going on with respect to sports. Kentucky Derby, Kentucky Derby's been put off till September. Even the Met Gala, oh my God, the Met Gala's postponed for all you fucking fashion weirdos. So I know Meghan Markle was really counting on being here in the States. She was invited by Anna Wintour for the Met Gala. It was going to be her first appearance here, her first public appearance since the split. That's on hold. So everything is changing. The one thing that is, interestingly enough, Changing, and I think they hope it's a change for the better. But once they uh, they send these emails, I hope they don't mind if I do the same thing to them. I'm sure you're you're getting these emails. I know you are. All these department stores sending these wonderful, caring emails about how much they care for us. You know what I mean? We here at Macy's care for the welfare of our. Okay, good Macy's. I hope that they're just as understanding with me paying down my balance. Uh, or anybody else paying down their balance a month or two from now, when a lot of people's jobs are gone and people aren't taking their money home because they can't go to the the office, they can't go to the restaurant to get tips, I hope they're just as understanding with us as we have to be to them right now. I want to send letters to Macy's and Bloomingdale's and Nordstrom and tell them how much I appreciate them. You see how, how far that bullshit gets me. But finally today, you think you have it bad in whatever city you're living in, and I'm sure you do. What if you live in Boston now, several weeks back, I said, look i I know Tom Brady ain't going anywhere he's gonna put his foot in the water and test the waters to see how much money he could get. There might be a few suitors, but he's gonna go back to Boston he's gonna be in there. he's not gonna leave New England. what what's better? Stay with Belichick stay with Kraft, stay with your team. you're always getting the playoffs why?" Upend your life to find a team that maybe has a shot with you. Worse than that, look at two teams that have virtually almost no shot for the playoffs. And today we find out that's what Tom Brady's doing. Two teams that really, really have no shot, even with him as quarterback. They don't look to be teams that anybody's worried about beating. So Tom Brady has decided he's done with New England. So as, as bad as you think you have it, wherever you are, I know for a fact that people in New England right now are out of their minds because touchdown Tommy ain't coming back and there's no amount of money that can get him here. The Patriots decided, you know what, Tom, I know you won $30 million for one year. We'll give it 20. And Tom looked at that amount of money and he said, no, I've given you all I can give you. I've given you six championships You've never and will never have a run like this forever. Fork over thirty million. It's the right thing to do. They said no, we can't do that. So now he's looking to go to two different teams. I think the Bucks and the Chargers, perhaps, who are who are able to fork over 30 mil. It's a bad deal all around. Tom Brady ain't gonna like being there. The team's not gonna like partying with that money for a year. If if Tom gets hurt, they're really shot. This is sad. I thought better of Tom Brady. What is does he really think an extra ten million is gonna change everything? Why would he want to pull on a different jersey right now at forty-two fucking years old? And leave the city that loved him so much. And what? Go to Tampa Bay? Be with a bunch of people in Florida who don't know from good football? I mean they do a little bit, but not really. What a mistake all around. New England should have paid him. Tom should never have said I'm leaving. It's sad, But then again, with the world coming to an end, you know, who knows if Tom Brady comes down with coronavirus, then his playing days are over. So it's not for me to say, but I really think it's a sad state of affairs all around. There's no reason for a guy like him to want to walk away. No one who's been a sports idol or a sports legend ever looks good in the uniform that they weren't a legend in. Brett Favre didn't look good in the Jets uniform. As great as Joe Montana was at the San Francisco 49th, he didn't look good as a chief. It goes on and on. Tom, you should have stayed home. What the fuck did Giselle say to you? Because she's not working. (laughs) She makes a fortune. She makes more than him. Does he really need the extra 10 bucks? What's this whole thing about? Hopefully we'll find out soon. Hopefully the football season won't be postponed. But who the fuck knows? All right, guys, I'm A.J. Benza. That was your show for March 18th, 2020. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Fame is a bitch is an A.J. Benza Workhouse Connect production featuring the endless wisdom, insightful commentary, and sometimes fucked up perspective of A.J. Benza. Executive producer, Mike Agavino. Technical producer, Brian Vasquez.